Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. And we're back with another, I love saying that, and we're back with another episode. And obviously, so that people don't people don't think that there's some disembodied voice that's not talking, that's not James, this is Chris. And before I hand the reins off to James, I actually want to talk really quick about our live stream. We are going to start live streaming soon, starting next month. Our first live stream is going to be March 8th. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where we post the video versions of this podcast and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you tune in. We are going to release what the topic's going to be next week. And that's just something that you can look forward to. And now James is here, obviously, on the other line. And he's going to give us an update on this Phillies and Braves situations. And then we're going to jump into another league breakdown. So, yeah, we, we have a lot of news this week. You know, spring training games started up today. Um, but, you know, we've been, we've been breaking down, you know, the projections and where teams should finish. And different teams have been making small adjustments on their rosters here and there. Uh, incremental improvements, but some improvements, they do have impacts across the roster. They do have impacts at other positions. If you put in a new left fielder, all of a sudden, uh, it impacts your right fielder. It impacts your, your center fielder. It impacts the other positions on the diamond. It impacts your lineup, quality of hitter. It also really matters what kind of quality of hitter they are. So you can have a guy who's a decent hitter. You can have a guy who's a good hitter. You can have a guy who's like a top 15 hitter. A top 15 guy will change your entire makeup of your lineup. So um, with regards to uh, the Braves and Phillies uh, and kind of national situation with regards to the East, initially – we had the Phillies finishing up pretty high in that division. The Phillies were, were, were doing pretty good by our projections. They're still a pretty good team. There's, it wouldn't take too much for them to really be right there with the top three. They're, they're, they're right. They're, they're so close. That being said, the Braves have made incremental improvements, and I've noticed certain things about the way that they're going to be managing their roster. I thought they were just going to be putting in rooks in left and right before Ozuna came in. Now what I understand is with Ozuna in taking up one of the spots of a rookie, uh, the other spot where there is a rookie, he's also a righty. And uh, if he possibly was rushed too, too quickly, so he's not quite the hitter that they need, they actually have a lefty that works really well in tandem with him. Uh, and between uh, those two guys' defense, which is going to be great in center field and uh, Acuna in, in right field, you can also hide the bad defense that is Ozuna. Just have him play back, basically. Um so that's really interesting, uh, to say the least. Um, and I think if I'm going to be realistic about it, it puts the Braves right there with the Nationals for second place in that division. And I think um, it moves the Phillies down to fourth. And it's not that they're like, you know, in any other division, they'd actually not be a fourth place team. If the Phillies were in the American League East. They'd probably be content, contending for second. They'd probably be doing that. So, you know, don't feel too bad, Phillies. You know, you're, you're, you're right there, and you're going to keep being right there because your roster is full of guys who are going to be good for a while. 
Didi's not falling off anytime soon. Harper's not falling off anytime soon. I think McCutcheon's going to keep it up too, to be honest. Uh, Hoskins, he's going to keep up the walk and power thing for a few more years. You got Real Muto, best catcher in the game, at least by certain publications. I, I, I like Salvador Perez now better now that Sal Perez has emerged. But um, you can find that on, on me and Sean's uh, catcher video. Um, that is on Baseball Guy Sean's channel. And uh, we do fantastic uh, player rankings over there. Actually, later tonight, I'm recording uh, the shortstop ranking. And um, uh, I want to make sure that I, I hit on all of the points before we jump straight in and start talking about you know, the fourth place teams. Uh, of the centrals uh, before we jump in uh, on that uh, I want to note that you know while the offseason is basically done we have games going on today like Talkman already hit a homer like that's you know that I didn't he looked good he looked <laughs> I, I didn't think he was going to look this good to be honest so games are already going on and yet three of the more notable free agents at least by name at minimum and and at least two of them at minimum by ability maybe all three by ability we don't really know with the third one uh he's kind of a loose cannon a a bit um i don't mind that sometimes um the first one jackie bradley jr jackie bradley jr great center fielder he has not found a team yet i would not be surprised if he went back to boston uh i would not be surprised if he went to houston they kind of need a center fielder um He's a really good player, great defender, great base runner. Uh, overall, on the year-to-year basis, he's a, he's a decent hitter. He's a lefty, so you, late career, you should be able to platoon him. Um, but then the other thing is he's also one of the hot and cold players in the game. And when he's cold, he's terrible. But when he's hot, he can put the whole team on his back. So as long as you're okay not getting the best offensive production from a defense-first left-handed you know, like future platoon elite base running center fielder early in the year, late in the year when the offense comes around and you add the defense and base running onto that. And the fact that he's a lefty, you get a very special talent for, for quite a few months. Um, and that, that at, at such a key position, I, I think he's got a lot of value and I don't think people are looking at it properly because everybody's just looking at the end results. And at the end of the year, he's a decent hitter and a great defender who can't really hit lefties and some of his advanced analytics don't really give a lot of credit to him because they count in so many of his cold months against his hot months, and it dampens them. Um, if you were just looking at his hot months, I'm absolutely sure the analytics would look entirely different. Um, that's the problem with hot and cold players, that the analytics doesn't properly value them either. Analytics, result analytics are, are, are highly flawed. So even when I say analytics, it's not that all analytics hate them. It's just like, the analytics that people like to use, like W1, WOBA, uh, weighted on base average, uh, or, or WRC+, plus, which is a great number. I, I like using it. These are, all stati- these are all result statistics. You need to understand how they're put up. You need to understand the approaches, the tools, um, swing mechanics. There's so much that it really breaks down to. You know? mm-hmm. um, but yes, uh, Jackie Bradley hasn't signed. And then the other two guys, they do have a bit personality problems. Um, you got Puig. Puig, he had signed a contract last year, but then he got COVID, so he ended up not playing. Um, it's very clear that he's got ridiculous ability. Um, it seems like he's not the kind of head case that is, 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 is an angry person, is somebody who's, you know, always fighting with people or is, you know, it seems like he's more of the kind of uh, temperament where he's 
annoying, but I think that that's also like very possibly that allegedly, you know, I got to say all this is allegedly, I think allegedly he could possibly have uh, a disability that is uh, unmedicated. Um, I know from experience, certain people who have disabilities, they, they're hyperactive, their hyperactivity gets them to play a lot of sports and they get in ridiculous shape and they can do incredible things. Always happy, running on a very happy, giggly, high motor. So I don't really, I don't really think Puig actually is a head case, as many people call him. Uh, honestly, if I'm being completely real, I, I dig the guy. I love watching him. He seems like a really nice guy at heart. I would, if I was his agent, I, I would be very interested in seeing if he would be into taking a test to see if there was some sort of underlying disability there. Because if you can make him a great teammate by possibly, you know, medicating him or something like that with his ability, he's, he'd be getting five-year contracts. He'd be getting, you know, 20 million a year. Um, it's just that, you know, this whole uh, annoying type thing has been, I guess, following him around and he only goes with one team a year and then he changes teams. Sometimes he changes teams at the deadline. So it seems definitely something that, you know, his teammates can only tolerate for so long, but the ability is never in question. He's one of the most physically impressive players in the major leagues. He, he can do basically anything on a baseball diamond. He makes a little bit too aggressive decisions, but in my opinion, there always has to be someone like that in the league. Um, baseball wouldn't be as fun if there wasn't somebody in the league trying to turn singles into doubles and doubles into triples. Guy who could throw runners out, guy who could steal home, guy who could hit 500-foot homers. That's Puig. Ability is never in question. Um, so he's still out there. Uh, Houston was a possible destination at one point. Boston was also a possible destination at one point in time. And then lastly, Cespedes. He is also out there. Now, he's the guy I'm not really sure if the ability is there. He hasn't really played a full season in <clears throat> like three, three years or something. Uh, he played a little bit last year. He did really good. And then, you know, he had like a, a bad week and then just kind of quit the year. Um, I wonder if like teammates in, in the dugout were not obeying COVID protocols and, and whatnot. And he just didn't want to be around that. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe he's not, you know, uh, another queen type, <laughs> you know, but he, he does have all these stories about like, you know, he got injured because he was at his ranch and he got in a, a fight with a wild hog you know, and he got injured. So it's a wild story, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, the year before, the last time we saw him play, uh, he was put, he was producing at his old numbers, but his strikeout rate was a little elevated. So, um, you know, he still has a great swing. He's definitely not as kinetic and loose as he was when he was younger, but I can't imagine him not being uh, an above league average, big league hitter. He's holding uh, a workout in front of clubs, I believe in about a month. So, um, I mean, it could be a little bit less than a month at this point now, but uh, he's going to be working out in front of teams and then, you know, hitting and fielding and, and doing the whole deal. So I do expect him to get a contract too, but those are really the most impactful possible remaining free agents because those are the only guys right there who, who are left on the market who could be, you know, top 100s if they have a good enough year. Um, so that's the remnants of the market. Um, I think we should launch into uh, our uh, fourth place uh, teams now. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that we covered uh, all the things that we've needed to cover in the opening because that's like 
it's a, it's a, it's been a busy week. Baseball starting up. Um, I'll tell you, uh, Boston made this deal with the Cubs for this guy with the last name Bryant, who wasn't Chris Bryant. And I had a mini heart attack last night. I was like, wait, the, 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 the Red Sox got Chris Bryant. What? No, they got Zach Bryant tripping me up. But anyway, let's launch into this. Um, I think the way we're, we're going to want to start this is we're going to have to start with the National League first. Mm-hmm. Fourth place team in the National League Central. Um, now, this is what you know, it took a lot of studying and, and, and figuring out this one because I, I honestly, I, I want to give this team more credit. I want this team to, with, with what they have, to not be a fourth place team. And certain projections, a lot of projections have them as finishing like in first place. It's not going to happen. Look, they have a great bullpen. There's no denying that. And they have two aces, or, or if not aces, number two starters in uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. But outside of those two guys in the rotation, they don't really have anything else. It's like Howard. It's like Brett Anderson. It's, it's not a good situation outside of those two guys. So the bullpen's going to get burnt at, at, after a certain point in time, as good as it is because you're going to be relying on the bullpen constantly for the entire back end uh, of, of the Brewers starting rotation. Now the front end's great. So that's cool. Um, but that that's not going to work for you without a heavy, heavy, heavy offense. Uh, Cause look, you can have the pitchers really help you win the first two games, right? There are two aces and you can have the bullpen help you win, you know, the other games so long as, you have scored enough runs. Um, if the bullpen is taxed and, and you know whoever you bring in does allow runs, so long as you still have more runs than the other team, you're going to win. I mean, that's how it works. So we then have to focus on the Brewers' offense where they have like five different catchers that they're trying out in camp, trying to find someone. That their best hope right now looks like Omar Narvaez and he, his offense fell off a cliff. I, I don't like him at defense or offense. Um, I just am not a fan. And he's probably the best of all the five different options. They got like, did they get rid of Manny Pena? I don't know. Did they, someone told me that they did that. Uh, Nottingham was one of the options. Um, I'd be shocked if they brought up, you know, their top catching prospect from straight up from a ball. Um, but like, if you're actually looking at the best player who's on their 40 man roster at catcher, it might be some 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old. So uh, that's a problem. Uh, but, you know, look, it's offense. So, like, you know, like maybe they can get a good defense from catcher. You know, maybe they can approximate things. Because catcher's catcher. It's a spot where you need great defense. It's, it's, it is what it is. Um, so let's move on from that, right? At first base, it looks like they have Keston Kira, who was their former second baseman. Um, I got to watch Shira in the Arizona Fall League. He, for as tall as he is, he's not very tall. He's built. He is physically built. And he is a swing that should, um, <clears throat> excuse me. He's a swing that should really, really crush lefties. And he's not, he's got enough strength and bat speed where given enough time in the league, he's going to foul off enough pitches, work deep enough counts to get to more hittable pitches. He'll walk a certain amount. He'll hit for a certain amount of power, but he really does need to concentrate on the bat. And if he doesn't concentrate on the bat because he's focused on, you know, the defense second base, I don't know how long it's going to take for the bat to come around. 
So simply making him a first baseman, I think is the right call here. And then they went out and they signed Colton Wong, who's one of my favorite leadoff hitters in the game, to play second base. Now, I like him so much, Colton Wong, because he's about a league average hitter and he's a great base runner. Um, and he gives you great defense at second base, some of the best defense in the league at second base. So that's great. But at the same time, like he doesn't have the ability to drive in runs. He's there to be driven in. So, um, okay, you know, you, he, he's there to be driven in. You know, he'll get on base for maybe Hira if Hira rebounds. But Hira is honestly going to be going through a growth year as he focuses on the bat. Like I said, he was rushed. So maybe you get what you want offensively out of Hira in the second half, in August and September. You know what I mean? So um, most of the year, ideally, you're going to want Hira in like the fifth spot in the order. Um, so then let's move over to shortstop. They got Orlando Arcia. Each year he gets better offensively. I'm a big fan of him. Arcia actually makes um, my top half, my top 15 uh, shortstop list because I, I, I'm really that big on him. I think he, he does some pretty big things next year. Um, that being said, big things for him would be having his first year where he's above league average. And, you know, look, he's a good shortstop, right? Uh, at least in the good year. Um, and he's an underrated clutch hitter as well, who um, in those moments can really run the bases. Although in most moments he doesn't. Um, but as a guy who keeps getting better, it's more of, I see next year, he's finally above average hitter plus defender shortstop. I see the year after he gets better again. I see the year after he gets better again. That's the kind of profile I see each year. He's going to get a little bit better, but even what you're going to get next year, it's another guy that you want to get on base for the middle of the order rather than driving in runs. Um, you move over, you move over to third baseman. They don't have anyone. They don't have a single good player at third base. Well, look, they, they, they try and tell us that Luis Urias is their guy. He's so great at, at the position. He's not. Um, he's just not. like he, That's a bench player for me, a, a decent bench player or a platoon bat, but not one that you want at third base, which is such a premium offensive position. Even if you move to corner outfield, uh, now that Avacel Garcia doesn't have the juiced ball to be working with, as aggressive of a hitter as he is, I worry about the ground balls. Um, even when he did have the juice ball to work with, he was just above league average. I don't know if he's going to even do that. Um, I think you're looking at maybe 5 to 10% below league average. But given how aggressive he is, that will play up in certain moments. So maybe league average totality. But um, I don't think he's a good base runner. Uh, the best thing he has on defense is a throwing arm. That's it. Um, although he's improved using that in recent years. Um, he's a guy ideally that you want like batting seventh, you know, like, or, or eighth in the American league. If there's a DH, you want him batting eighth. Um, not really a great hitter. Okay. I mean, he's decent. And in the past he was above average, but it was the juiced ball working for him with his approach specifically. Um, and then you move to center field. They have Lorenzo Cain, who can drive in runs, but historically he's been one of the better leadoff types in Major League Baseball. Um, he's not a kind of guy who's going to ever slug 500. You know, he's not a guy who's ever going to hit 30 homers or come close to it. Um, 
So I guess he can drive in some runs. Um, but he's not like your typical guy who drives in runs, you know, run producer, RBI man, whatever you want to call it. Bopper, you know, slugger, um, whatever, whatever name you want to use. He's not your typical that you, you, you know, ideally, um, like, look, if I'm a team and my, you know, we have a middle of the order, you know, like entering this off season, for instance, Lorenzo Cain would have made a perfect met because he can get on base for them to drive in. But um, at the same time, you know, he does have ability to hit on his own. And I think that's why he's such a great leadoff type because most leadoff types, you know, they'll get on base and they can't drive people in. He can drive in a little, but it's not like he's enough to be a, a, a number three hitter. It's not like he's enough to be a number four hitter. It's not like he's enough to be a number five hitter uh, or, or a six hitter. I think you'd be trying, like, if you're going to use him as, a, as, a, as someone who drives in runs, on a championship team, he'd be like either a six or seven, actually. Yeah, six or seven. Some, yeah, I don't think he'd be in the top five. Um, unless, well, unless you're going to use him as a leadoff type again. So you're now looking at Christian Yelich, who had a down year last year coming off of knee surgery, uh, to drive in all the runs for the team. And he's definitely an MVP talent, and he can do that. He can drive in boatloads of runs. But if it's just one guy... They're just going to walk him all day. They're just going to not give him anything to hit because what's the point when nobody else really, you know, can hit, you know, 30 home runs when nobody else can slug 500 or come close to it. Just walk him, just walk him. So uh, I don't see what everybody's saying about the Brewers team. They don't have the offense to pick up for the back of their rotation. The back of the rotation will be winded by the, the, the well, well, not just, you know, not having enough innings and a lot of those guys being injury prone like Brett Anderson, but the back of their rotation is going to wind their bullpen. Um, I mean, it's one of the best bullpens in the league, but even a great bullpen, even, even an, an amazing bullpen, if you're going to the bullpen, you know, three nights out of five games, maybe four nights out of five games, maybe, yeah, because we don't know how many innings uh, uh, Burns is going to go before he starts getting tired out, he was moved from the bullpen to the rotation last year. So what if he starts getting tired? What if the league starts adapting to Brandon Woodruff? I mean, he's only been in the league for a couple of years. A lot of people didn't expect this out of him. A lot of people were looking more like a uh, 3.6, 3.7 ERA rather than a 3.3, 3.4. Um, so there is possible regression even with their top arms. There's even possible regression with their bullpen. Like Hader started walking people last year, as well as allowing elevated home run rates as a lefty, which is concerning in a league full of power hitting righties. Um, if you're losing the zone, leaking pitches over the middle and they're able to go yard on you. That's why so many pitchers like elite relievers just come and go because things like this happen. They learn in your scouting report. They learn how you, you know, how to get, how to get you. And then you can't adapt back if you don't have control command. Um, and he was a starting pitcher moved to the bullpen and he's only been in the bullpen for like three years now. Um, so now that we're starting to see some four years now, sorry. So now that we're starting to see uh, some worrying signs, um, wasn't enough for me to take hater off of a top list, but it is enough to, to have some concerns, you know, lefty in a, in a, in the league of power hitting righties uh, walks going way up home runs going way up. That's not good signs. Um, 
but you know previously the previous years his walk rate had been going down each year and previous three years his strikeout rate had been going up so i don't want to put too much weight into 2020 but it is something to, to monitor uh brent Suter, another starting pitcher moving to the pen um i worry that he just turns into like another raw stripling which is like the longer that he's in the role that he is, the more mediocre he kind of becomes. Stripling's still pretty decent, but like for what role he was supposed to have, um, nah, that doesn't work. Like a lot of people viewed Stripling as he's either a number three starter or he's a decent reliever. And now he's, you know, a back end starting pitcher and a decent reliever, which means why would you even use him in the back end when there are better options? And now he's just a decent reliever. Okay. There are a lot of those. Like I said, relievers get burnt out quickly. Um, But the Brewers do have Devin Williams who won rookie of the year last year out of the bullpen. Uh, If you haven't seen highlights of him, go watch. He is electric. (laughs) He's incredible. I worry about them burning him out, but um when you have enough of these options back there, uh, you can you can try different things and, and, and maybe it'll work for them. But I also think going from a 60-game season and being so reliant on your bullpen to now a full season also is not going to do well for them. So Brewers, if you go out on the market and you go get a third baseman, and if you go out on the market and you get a catcher, or say you move Keston here at a third, and you move Avesel Garcia um, to a kind of quasi first base outfield platoon. Um, and you go out and sign Jackie Bradley, you know, for center field. And you move Yelich to one corner and Kane in the other corner. And that's going to be great defense for you. And um, I think that's enough base running. And, you know, you're going to have Jackie Bradley go through a hot hitting period that when you have all the other hitters who at least can hit for a certain level of hitting that with that level of base running and a guy like Yelich on your team, you might be able to get by, but you need a catcher and you need either a third baseman or somebody who can bump Hura um, from first to third and take over first, which might mean, you know, getting, like I said, Jackie Bradley, there have been rumors that the Brewers were going to get him very recently. So I, I do want to state that uh, if they do that, then all of a sudden things start to change because they have the defense that can support the back end and make, you know, okay pitchers look good or bad pitchers look okay. Um, and that will really help stretch out those arms, get them later into games and take, take the tax off of the bullpen. Um, so if they can do those types of things, they can rock it up this division, but Right now, I don't see any reason to think that they're going to be better than the Cubs or the Cardinals or the Reds, whichever order you are going to see them in over the next few videos. Um, I think that uh, they're definitely an exciting team because they have speed and they have certain levels of defense and they're very aggressive. A lot of their guys are young and getting better. I think the Colton Wong move. If Brewers, if you want to see something really cool, just watch Arcia and Wong and how they're going to work together this year. The double play combo is going to be really sick. Um, and Yellow should rebound offensively. I don't doubt it. Kane's the same guy he always has been. Um, and Hira, you want to see him develop. He's your future. Um, I just don't see it this year without a catcher 
you know, situation being solved without uh, the, the third base situation being solved, or, you know, if it's here or moving to third, then getting an outfielder possibly to help solve the first base situation or getting a first baseman, but there's not really that out there anymore. Um, I hate to say it, but it's a fourth place team this year. It's a fourth place team. And it's not just a fourth place team. It's a fourth place team, probably in the worst division in baseball. Just being honest. Um, But Hey, you know, it's such a bad division that a couple of moves with a team that has this good of a bullpen and two top starters or, or, you know, top 50 starters. I won't say like top, you know, not top 10, not top 20, but they're in the top 50 for sure. In the major leagues, that's elite. Um, They could make a push. And their team is very built for the playoffs if they're able to fill those specific spots. So um, I guess that's a, that's a reason to be excited because if your team does fill those spots and you're able to get into the playoffs, your team's built for it. So you can compete and make a deep run. Um, in 2018, you had a pretty damn good squad. I'll tell you that. Uh, I really liked that team. I thought that if any team had the best shot in the National League of going up against the killer Boston Red Sox that year, it was actually going to be your squad, just truthfully speaking. Um, 2019 and 2020 didn't go you guys' way. Um, There's a lot of roster turnover and development in that period of time. Just press your front office to go get like a third baseman. Go get Chris Bryant. You know, he's been on the trade market. The Cubs fall. Well, you can't really get him though because that's the same division. Maybe Eduardo Escobar or Brian Anderson or there's, there's guys out there. Evan Longoria. You know what? That's the fit right there. Go get Evan Longoria from the uh, Giants. He's being like prevented from having a good end of his career anyway, just from their ballpark. They need that bats for Donovan Solano to develop. Go get Longoria. Go get him for third. Go get uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. for the outfield because he's a free agent and he fits your club anyway. Um, and, uh, cause the Orioles have Adley Rutschman coming up deal for Pedro Severino. And if, you know, it, God forbid something goes wrong with him, platoon him with Narvaez, you do that, you can win the division, but as currently constructed your fourth place. All right. So, uh, enough on the Brewers. Let's jump over to the American league real quick. It's a little bit more of an optimistic one. This is, this is actually a, a kind of an, uh, an exciting one. Uh, the fourth place team, I mean, it's not really a surprise, but the fourth place team in the American League Central is the Kansas City Royals. Now, they've kind of been in that same spot for the last few years, but they are definitely better than the Detroit Tigers. Uh, there is no doubt. And this offseason, the Royals made a couple of really, really interesting moves. They just re-signed well I won't really say re-signed they just signed Hunter Dozier to an extension which speaks to their confidence in his bat they have Whit Merrifield on an extension which speaks to their confidence in the type of player he is they've brought in on a very cheap deal Carlos Santana who has a career like 315 batting average in their ballpark really fits them well good defense switch hitter consistent walks um, and obviously, like I said, great results in that park. Um, they brought in Andrew Benintendi for very little from Boston. 
And I think he also really fits their ballpark as well. Uh, I think his batting average is going to go up. He's going to become more of a doubles hitter. Um, he's going to, he, I think he's just going to feel more comfortable being aggressive in, in, in a park that has the most square footage of any outfield. Um, now I don't know if that has changed. I don't know if they've expanded any other outfields or, if, you know, any of the newer ballparks have changed that, but I don't think so because uh, when the Royals were still like in com- competition for like world series and whatnot, like as recently as 2015, that was the number that their outfield has the most square footage in it. That should really help Ben Intendi. That should really help Carlos Santana. And I think adding those guys to their lineup, now they're starting to get lineup protection for guys like Dozier, guys like Merrifield. They've been developing Mondesi. I think they're hoping still that Nicky Lopez offense comes around. Personally, I doubt it. Sal Perez for them emerged as one of the best offensive catchers in the game. In my opinion, he's the best catcher in the game now. Uh, that happened last year. They're going to get a full year out of him this year. Um, they have an offense now. They officially have an offense now. Um, and that's kind of what we were waiting for because Lorenzo Cain left. Uh, you know, uh, Moustakis left. Eric Hosmer left. Um, like the majority, Alex Gordon retired. And before he retired, he started sucking. So he kind of left as well. Um, like his soul left. <laughs> ben Zobris left the team. Um, it, basically their offense was gutted since they won the world series. Everybody's contract was up. They made sure to bring back Sal Perez because he would be the hardest in terms of production to replace. Uh, so that's catcher. Dozier, I believe, is their current fit at third base. And they, they extended him. Uh, shortstop's Mondesi. I believe he's on an extension. Uh, first base is Santana. I am of the belief that Nicky Lopez won't hit. I am of the belief that Merrifield's going to have to move back to second base, which is fine. That, that He's a fine second baseman. Um, they have Jorge Soler at, at DH, who's one of the more underrated players in all of baseball. Benintendi is now their left fielder. So really, if you're looking at their club, the only spots where they don't really have anything going on is center field and right field. And right now, who is on the market, but like Yasiel Puig and Jackie Bradley Jr. So if with the remaining budget that they have, they go pick up those two guys, I'm going to say it now. They could even get as high as third place this coming season Um, because that would be a very dynamic offense. Great base running, great defense, power. I I love it, you know. Where I have reservations is regards to their starting pitching staff. There's a lot of guys that they have that are young, that are really interesting. Uh, Keller, Junis, I don't know if they're going to – some guys they tried them in the bullpen – and they're thinking about putting them back into the rotation. Uh, Duffy, uh, Brady Singer. Um, they have Mike Miner still. Um, these are all guys who are good but not great, or guys who are developing, or guys who are brought up a little bit too aggressively. Um, but certain analytics they have going their way. Um, and I think in a big ballpark like Kansas City has, if they can put up that kind of defense behind these guys, they can get higher levels of production from them. Most of their bullpen is basically built around like 
Kyle Zimmer, uh, you know, Greg Holland, who came back to the club after leaving, uh, Wade Davis, who came back to the club after leaving. And Holland, he actually produced the way he used to for the Royals, which was beautiful to see. Um, he's going to be the closer. Uh, I believe Davis is kind of just like they're hoping that he ends up panning out, coming back to who he was after also leaving Colorado. Um, a lot of relievers, as soon as they leave Colorado, they do great. I mean, just look at Jake McGee. Um, he's now the San Francisco Giants closer. They signed him for a two-year deal worth seven, $7 million after he um, left Colorado jumped onto uh, the uh, same division, mind you, Dodgers, and turned right back into the same guy. Like Colorado eats pitchers. Uh, it's why I've said, and I've said this for a while, that I don't know if it's possible to like truly win in Colorado without like a lot, like a lot, so much luck breaking in your favor. Like the Colorado Rockies, they made the World Series, I think in 2007 against the Red Sox, was it? And the Red Sox just plowed straight through them. And the only reason that they, they were able to make the World Series was it was a terrible division that the Rockies were in. And uh, at the very end of the season, they went on a hot streak for about 20 games. And the hot streak went into the playoffs and it died off. Like literally at the, ve- like, like at the very end of the championship series, they squeaked by and just made it, just won the championship series because the hot streak was ending. And if you have the right kind of players in, in a ballpark like Colorado's, you can go on hot streaks, you know? Uh, but as soon as they ended up facing the Red Sox, you know, like an actual real legitimate elite team. Because also a lot of the teams that they faced in the playoffs during those, that period of time, that was the Moneyball era, lineups full of patient hitters. Uh, heck, the Yankees built their team that way even, even during those years. Uh, people didn't understand the importance of defense. Yankees actually statistically had the worst defensive club in Major League history in, 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 in the Moneyball steroid crossover era that, you know, is basically between the years of 2004 and 2008. So um, with regards to uh, how this, you know, the, 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 the comparison between the Rockies not being able to succeed. And here, what we have with the Royals, I have a little bit more faith in the Royals because I think the way the Royals ballpark is built favors literally all the players on the roster. And I think that can add a lot of victories uh, that people don't see over a full year for the same reason that a ballpark like Colorado's can take away so many victories over the course of a full year. Um, It's not that the Kansas city Royals ballpark is like a super hitters ballpark because if it was their pitchers wouldn't be able to do anything. It's that the hitters that they have are built for a ballpark like that. So the hitters are going to benefit and the pitchers are going to benefit. Um, hitters also are, are, are pretty darn good base runners. So with all that, you know, room in the outfield for balls to just keep rolling, it's going to be a lot of movement on the bases. Uh, they also have a good defense, which is going to really help out with regards to their pitching. Um, it's a fun team. I'll say it. It's a fun team. They still need a center fielder and a right fielder. Those moves have not gone down. It's more of a dream when I think of Jackie Bradley and Puig going there. Uh, but it, you know, who knows? It could happen. It's what I would do. Um, 
And it's a very exciting club, especially because you have to understand a lot of these guys, because of the, them being under contract for so long, and because they're before their prime or right at the beginning of their prime, you're going to see them become pretty good players in short order. Uh, and that's, you know, pitching and hitting. Whereas their pitchers are kind of going to be more like innings eaters, number three types. Um, and you're going to see them develop into that, which is going to be fun to watch regardless. Um, I think their hitters are going to develop. A, a lot of them are going to develop into patient types that walk a lot. Um, but I think with a, with a ballpark like that, any sort of hit tool is going to be exemplified if you can hit across all fields, which a lot of their hitters, almost all of them can. Um, so you're looking at lots of doubles, lots of walks, lots of contact, which is kind of cool when you add elite base running to it. And like I said, a very enjoyable and fun to watch club. I mean, it's not like, it's not like Ben Intendi's like after his prime, he's before his prime and you just added him to what you have. Um, I think the number one priority though, of this club is finding either some sort of way of extending Salvador Perez or because you know you're not going to contend contend this year, find a way to trade Sal Perez for like a big package and figure out what you're going to do long-term for catcher. Uh, Cause he's a free agent at the end of the season. And in terms of value, he's one of the most, if not the most valuable player that you have. So, um, and also he's, he's uh, one of the last remnants, if not the last remnant, I, I'm not actually sure. Uh, of the uh, 2015 championship squad. So if you're a Royals fan, I mean, like, even if you have him all year, say your goodbyes. He's not going to be a Royal after the season. He's going to get a big contract. So that's the Royals. A lot more optimistic, a lot more, you know, happy. You know, the sun is rising than what's going on with the Brewers. The Brewers are kind of in it. They need to make moves now so that they can stay in contention. It's not that they don't have guys for the future, like Keston Cura. It's just that guys like Yelich are now and the next five years and guys like Kane are now in maybe the next two or three years. He's starting to get on the older side uh, of Acel Garcia. We don't know how he's going to do now that, you know, the juice ball is really going, you know, because, and I do want to briefly touch on that. Um, the juice ball started uh, in about partially through 2018, uh, in 2019, it was the whole year. Uh, and then also it's worth noting in triple a in 2019, they also used the juice ball. So you have to look at the numbers, even in triple a under a certain microscope, not just the power numbers, but also the walk to strikeout numbers. Um, because the walk to strikeout numbers are impacted by the quality of the ball as well. The ball's going to jump off your bat. You're, it's a lot easier for you to hit it into play. If the ball's heavier than fouling it off or hitting it into the ground or, you know, that's a lot more likely. So you'll see that a lot of the guys, they're either working deeper counts to do what they're doing or it's harder for them to hit for power or they're hitting more ground balls. And then you have to also compare it to the type of swings that the big leaguers and the AAA players have because if you're swinging down on the ball, maybe you're going to pop more balls up. Or if you're swinging up on the ball, maybe you're going to hit more balls into the ground. The point being is that if you have a swing that's down or up to the ball, it's going to create different types of chop. For instance, guys like Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, uh, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, they all had a whole, a whole bunch of trouble, even J.D. Martinez, because they all dropped the bat head on the ball. 
And then guys who are more side to side, like Matt Chapman, like uh, uh, Pete Alonso, like uh, a few of the, uh, a few more I'm, I'm blanking on right now. Um, they had a lot more issues as well because they were swinging down to up instead of dropping the bat head on the ball that they were, they were, they, oh no, no, sorry. They were swinging up to down. Dropping the bat head on the ball means that when you're hitting it, you're going down to up at that point. Uh, the guys who are swinging side to side, they're, 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 they're slicing at the ball, if that makes sense. That's more of um, an across swing than a dropping the bat head swing. Uh, I would liken it to using, uh, I, I call it O swing versus V swing. It's something that I, that I saw online and, and I didn't even come up with it. Okay. I'm, I'm, someone else came up with this and they're, they're brilliant. Um, it's a father son coaching team. I'm, I want to link them and, and make sure that they get credit here. But a V swing is when you're specifically directly attacking the ball. An O swing is when you're using um, centripetal force where you're using, okay, well, I'm bringing my hands in first. And then when the bat comes down, because the hands are pulling, the, the bat has, has dragged. And the drag is what gives you power. And the drag is created by your physical strength. In the same way, when you're doing the, the centripetal force exercise when you were in school, the water stays in the bucket as you swing your arm above your head quick enough. So it's the same idea. It's why you can get uh, directional power when you hit like that. Whereas guys who take the across swings, uh, the V swings, if you will, versus the O swings, the V swings directly attack the ball. They directly attack the ball at its most hittable point, uh, which it results in more immediate power, but it also results in a uh, bigger ability to miss the ball or foul it off because you're attacking a point rather than dragging your bat head through a contact point. It gives you more, more time for your, your, your bat head to change its path because your hands are leading um, rather than the bat head leading. Um, so anyway, with regards to how that impacts uh, hitting is if the ball changes, uh, you're going to hit more foul balls. You're going to work deeper counts. Or you're going to hit more ground balls. Um, so you saw a lot of hitters who have less than perfect swing mechanics really have rough years this last season because from 2019 to 2020, they took the juice ball away. They were very careful that, it, you know, the balls were, were, you know, different. And now what they're saying is, they're making sure that this never happens again by keeping the density of the ball at one point, whereas before it used to fluctuate between this, this range. Some balls were a little bit more lively than others. Now they have it as a middle point. And the reason why the range would fluctuate, I'm willing to bet, is that as ball games would go on, balls would get hit and they would be, become softer. So some balls were softer than others, you know, upon testing them after getting them in a game, you know? Um, now, unless we're talking about pre-game testing, which I'm not sure is the way that they did it. If that's the case, then keeping them at a, a middle range for that reason means different things. But either way, keeping them at a middle range rather than the full range means that all the lively balls at the top part of the full range are gone. So it's going to be even more difficult, I think, to hit for that kind of cheapo power moving forward. And, and a lot of hitters are going to have to be okay hitting for doubles or just changing their approaches, I guess. Um, so I did want to talk about how that impacts the game. 
because that is something that we, we need to, to, to pay attention to entering this season that uh, the ball changing, you know, it, it, yeah, it impacted the league last year, but like which players are not going to be able to make the adjustments back, you know, <clears throat> Astros, um, <laughs> dude, I have to do it every single one, every single one. Like we were wrapping this one up. We were about to get to the end of it and all that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was actually sitting there and I was like, is he gonna mention the Astros? I'm like, he's it's not gonna do it. Have, yeah. I'm like, he's not gonna do it. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, Dude, he made every it episode. episode. It's like, nope. Every episode, every episode, you know it, you know it. <laughs> Dude, like I was I, I was I was on Robbie Hyde's stream. He's a great YouTuber. If you love baseball YouTube, check out Robbie Hyde. Uh, I, I was, I was, you know, talking with the guys on, on, on his stream and uh, we were talking about specifically Carlos Correa and like, I don't know if any of you guys know, but I'm just going to mention this here. Like even the good Houston Astros who, who like, like good as in like they, they, they put up good years last year who were part of that 2017 team, like <laughs> Yuli Gurriel and Altuve are no longer good players now that they don't have the cheating and you know people look at carlos correa and he was like about league average and he's still correa you know and he had that big playoff like even altuve had a big playoff but i'm not really giving that to him like i don't care like, I, he's out look, look what he did during the season just because he had like a good what 10 games i don't care i don't care look what he did for like literally 60 it was awful that's not even anything close to what's tolerable terrible base running terrible defense so um <laughs> I get heated about this stuff, <laughs> but yeah. So looking at the guys who even had decent years, Carlos Correa, if you remove the first 10 games of the season and you look at like the remaining, like 50 or, you know, 47, I think is what he played in. The guy had a slugging percentage of 317. The guy had like a batting average of like 220, 230. The guy had like an on-base percentage in the two eighties. That's not a big leaguer. You know, even if you want to look at Bregman, like just break it out into the first half, second half, if you want to do that. Second half of the season, he was league average. And then if you want to cut out, like specifically, like, oh, let's let's look at his, you know, game log. You know, the guy basically had a good 10 games, Bregman, in the middle of the year between being awful and being awful, which tells me he tried an approach change and the approach change worked initially, and then he went right back to being awful. Like, I'm just amazed that George Springer was able to do as good as he was. And that's a testament, I think, to his athleticism, because uh, he's got the most uh, fundamental swing between, at least for power. And he's also got, you know, some of the best base running between all of the remaining cheaters, you know, between Guriel, Altuve, Bregman. Correa. So, um, you know, it was interesting seeing him actually perform last year. Um, I want to see what happens when he changes leagues, changes teams, you know, uh, that being said, his apology of all the apologies was one of the only ones that I actually thought was a legitimate apology. Like he actually looked sorry. Whereas Altuve and Bregman and Correa, none of them were actually sorry. Go look at their apologies. They're scum. They should be out of the game banned as far as I'm concerned. Um, the only reason that I, I give any sort of pause about 
considering what like Bregman might do this season is that one, even though he had the juice ball and the, um, the, the trash cans working for him uh, in, in 2019, specifically he was effective versus basically every different type of pitch. And it's hard to do that. Even if, you know, even with cheating, even with, you know, knowing what's coming and whatnot, that's hard to do because it's a lot of different types of pitches out there. He has a lot of contact. He, he knows the strike zone. He knows how to walk. And reportedly, before suffering a hamstring injury already, yeah, that's right, Bregman's already having hammy problems, just like Correa has chronic back problems, which is an issue. Honestly, Correa should probably be at third or, or you know, who knows, outfield he'd be decent at, actually. Um, but I, I worry about him long-term at short. I don't know why Bregman's not being tried at short. Um, but, you know, because Bregman was a shortstop in the minors, if you don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, before the hammy happened, before Bregman tore his hammy in the spring training, reportedly he had put on like between 23 and like 27 pounds of muscle this off season. So, you know, I think if anyone of the cheaters on that squad can rebound in any sort of way, it's probably him. But like, as far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't, I don't hit them with pitches, like hit them with pitches. Like I, I have issues with them in this game. Uh, they should not be in it. They should be banned for life. There have been people who have been banned for life. <clears throat> Pete Rose uh, for a lot less like, Oh, I'm going to bet on games and then try to get my, my team to win the games, you know, because I'm, I'm a player manager. Okay, that's not okay, you know, but that versus I'm going to illegally steal steal signs, like like steal signs to the point where like they can't steal our signs in like the same manner so that I can know exactly what pitch is coming, which no other team's doing. And then I'm going to do this and win a World Series. Like, look, if you did it and there was no consequence, I wouldn't have as much of an issue but you desecrated the one remaining thing. You know, MVP awards, did he use steroids? Home run titles, did he use steroids? Career numbers, did he use steroids? But World Series title, that's a team effort. It's balance, it's defense, it's pitching, it's, you know, big moments, you know, production. Biggest moments of some of these guys' lives. And to basically, you know, take that from them and not only that but taking a lot of people's contracts from them a lot of people's like i guarantee you if uh altuve hadn't been using you know uh all this you know the trash can and all of it judge would have an mvp award judge had an mvp award judge would be able to you know ask for more money um also uh joe girardi would still be the, the yankees manager you know um, I think Masahiro Tanaka actually would still be in the big leagues, believe it or not. Um, like there, there's, there's a lot of impact on every team that these guys were involved with. Like Oakland, maybe Oakland wins the division and they're able to, you know, compete for, you know, for a championship. I mean, who knows, right? Uh, or maybe Tampa Bay goes deeper in the playoffs because Astros eliminated them multiple times. You, we would have gotten a Yankees Dodgers World Series. You know, the Dodgers would have won multiple World Series in a short amount of time. You would have called it a dynasty. The Yankees would have won multiple World Series in a short amount of time, and you would have called it a dynasty. And, and to be honest, if that, that World Series matchup between the Yankees and the Dodgers would be 
continuously discussed even to this point today. It would be, that's the best team. That's the dynasty. That's the more superior dynasty. And it would still be fought over today. So I think it ruined a lot with baseball. I think it ruined a lot with baseball, but um, yeah. So I've, <laughs> I, I, I've said my piece on, on the Houston Astros. Uh, Chris, send me over uh, the, the stuff that I sent you. Uh, Cause I want to share with them uh, our, our picks this week for, for the songs and, mm-hmm. and the movies. So, so that's something I also forgot to mention. So, so yes. everyone that's listening, yes. uh, there is also going to be a uh, newsletter that's going to be going out with every new episode in it, as well as, you know, how we were doing the top three songs that we were listening oh, to. I love that. Shows yeah. that we were talking about every week on the podcast. Well, there's yeah. going to be a newsletter now that just details all that. That way people can subscribe to the newsletter, see new episodes, and see what we're listening to during the week when we're, we're not filming and stuff like that. You know? Oh, man. I love that we're doing that. I yeah. love that we're doing that. Because, Chris, I sent you all sorts of fun stuff this week. You did. Week. You did. Oh, my God. So if you guys want to check out some really awesome movies, you want to check out some really dope songs, definitely check out the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love this. This and is I'll a fantastic that. function. I'll link that in the podcast for now for the next few episodes or the next several episodes, actually, until uh, everyone starts subscribing and stuff like that. And then the podcast will just integrate into the newsletter. The newsletter just goes out. It's like, hey new episode and check out what we're listening to and watching. Yeah. Uh, wow. That now, I think that's about the perfect way to wrap up this episode. I don't have much more to say. Uh, <laughs> Brewers fans, Royals fans. I, I hope that you got a fairly decent summary of your team. Um, I think I, I do got one last thing to say to Royals fans is that you guys got one of the best prospects in all of the minor leagues. And I, I really, I really want to mention that this guy, he, he, he's literally one of uh, the best shortstop third base prospects that I've seen in the last, I'm going to say seven, eight years. Okay. Uh, his name's Bobby Witt Jr. He reminds me of Chris Bryant. If he can stay at short, that's cool. But if I'm going to be honest with you guys, there's a high chance he takes over third and that Hunter Dozier ends up moving to the outfield. And uh, if that's the case, then really you just need a long-term center fielder. So relax and watch your team play. It's going to be a fun year, specifically for development with your team. And that's it for me, Chris. You got anything else? That's all I got too. I mean, all of you can expect uh, to see the newsletter drop this monday tomorrow and along with this episode and from then on yeah and then don't forget about the live stream which is what i'll also plug into the weekly newsletter awesome and uh definitely check out saberscouts.com i'm going to be having my top 200 put up there within the next two weeks as well as a 20 honorable mentions finished that off yesterday so we'll see you on the next one bye